Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We have been given the keys of the kingdom. And we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're going to keep going on our series on the kingdom of God. And, you know, to start out, when I think about my life, there's, you know, I don't have this huge list of things that I'm, you know, really geared up to do. All right? It's not like I'm, I've got this list of things that, you know, I, there, there's some things I want to do. But it's not like they're the focus of my life. They're, they're not like they're the most important things. The same is, the same is probably true for you. you. You probably have some things that, you know, you'd like to get around to doing and you make some plans to, to make that happen. But they're not your top priorities. On the other hand, uh, there are moments in our lives when things look like they may or may not be going so well. When things are going south. Lost jobs. Corporate downsizing. Health struggles. In the midst of those moments, what do you do? When everything is going well, what do you do when your job is great, when you've just gotten a promotion that you're looking for, when your health is great, your family's doing well, it appears that God is blessing everything you touch. You're like, when was that? What do you do then? What do you do when everything is going well? What do you do when everything is going south? <laughs> the answer is the same. It's the same answer in both settings. Today we're continuing our series on the kingdom. We're looking at a passage that for some of you may seem too simple. It's something that you've heard about, you've talked about. And we talk about the kingdom of God, we cannot overlook this passage. It is foundational to everything that Jesus teaches about the kingdom. He addresses two very important topics of his day and I believe are still very important for us now. I can tell you that in preparing this message, I personally experienced a level of conviction about my own life that surprised me. I mean, I thought I was doing pretty good. This one verse has been a central focus of my life. I, I, I'm guessing some of the ballpark of 30 years. It's been the center focus of what I've tried to do with my life. And yet, as I prepared this message and talking about the kingdom, I suddenly realized I had places to grow that involved this. Places that I realized that God was looking at my life saying, we need to work on that. I suspect that all of us will today. If not, you're speaking next Sunday, okay? Because <laughs> you are more qualified than I at that point. We will read a very familiar passage of Scripture. Uh, in fact, one verse, and then we'll go on and talk about the rest of it. We'll look at the, the portion of the Sermon on the Mount that surrounds this one verse. Many could quote this verse 
with no difficulty. In fact, you might be able to quote it in multiple versions of the Bible. But here it is, Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. That seems so easy. One verse, two commands, and a single promise. But for the people listening that day as Jesus spoke those words originally, they would have struggled to understand, just as we often do. See, everyone gathered that day on that hillside as Jesus taught that Sermon on the Mount would have been fully on board with the fact that you do the right things, you live righteously, and there was going to be material blessing. They would have thought that that was the way it is. They would have believed that. No, no pro- the problem was that the people that were committed to following Jesus the most were not experiencing material blessing. The disciples were not exactly experiencing great windfalls. There were some people who were followers of Jesus who were blessed. And they had abundance. But that wasn't the large majority. And yet their paradigm was that if they did that, if they followed God, they would experience blessing. In their culture, there were people that just believed that, and for the Jewish people in that first century, if you had money, it was obvious that you were blessed by God and you were living a righteous life. Now, there were some in that culture that had achieved wealth through maybe some shady means. We, we know them. They're people like tax collectors, right? They, no one liked them because they were working for Rome and they charged extra. So the people despised them. But then there are also the business people who, who maybe made extra because they found ways to extract extra out of people. And, and I'm not saying about the fair pricing and all. They, they, they went beyond fair pricing. They went beyond fair. They, they were ruthless in their deals. They tried to rip people off. Jesus brings up another thing. He says, he'll give us everything we need. The issue was, and still is, what did Jesus mean by need? So let's look at Jesus' instructions in Matthew 6.33. The first command is this, seek first his kingdom. It's a command. Seek first his kingdom. What does that mean? Seek. Well, probably the best illustration I can give you is of a little child. A little child who finds something or sees something that they want to have. Doesn't matter where it's at, they're going to do what it takes to get there. Now, many of you have seen, whether it be on Facebook or CNN or whatever, you saw the video of the two twins, right? They were in a bedroom, and it was security camera footage, and they, they saw something on top of a dresser that they wanted to get. And they pulled the drawers out in order to climb the dresser 
the problem was the dresser fell. And landed on him. And the one little guy, I mean, they're here, they're two or three years old, lifts the dresser off his brother. They're like amazing, right? It's incredible. It's incredible footage. You've not seen it, you should see it. But here's the deal the child realized, I want that, and nothing is going to stand in my way it. It was a singular focus. They almost killed him. But that's what Jesus is saying. Seek first his kingdom. Like, like nothing should get in the way. Now, now, kids, like if you have been around little children and you, you have something on a counter or whatever, like they are going to find, they'll pull chairs over, they'll do any pots and pans. They don't care what it takes to get what they want off of the spot that they're getting. They're, they're, they're creative people. They're, they're amazing. And, and, and that's the way you and I need to be. And that's what Jesus is saying. Seek his kingdom. And pursue it. Don't let anything get in the way. It's determination. It's a focus. It's knowing God and following his will. It is a determination that we are going to know and we are going to grow in our relationship with God. So the question I ask you this morning is, what are we willing to let get in the way of our relationship with God? See, because, see, seeking first his kingdom, seeking first his kingdom is about not letting anything else be in the way. No, not letting anything get in the way. It's a singular focus. And you've been around people who you can talk to them and they cannot hear you. Not because they can't hear. Because they are singularly focused and they block everything else out. I have issues along those lines, okay? Let's just be honest. I literally can be in settings, and I am so focused on what I'm doing, I don't hear anybody speak to me. It happened this weekend. I was sitting in a van full of students, one of them is my own child, and they are speaking to me, and I am not hearing. And finally, they call me by name. <laughs> Got my attention. I finally, like, snapped out and like, oh, you were talking to me? Oh, okay. okay I'll listen now. Go ahead. You can start over. And that's just the way it works. We need that kind of singular focus on the kingdom and our relationship with God. I understand there are scheduled conflicts and different things and vacations and all kinds of things that can cause us to, to miss church and not to be involved in small groups or do ministry or all those things or, or take the time to have your smartphone read your Bible to you. And I'm getting notifications as we speak of people starting Bible plans. Good job for you that are starting Bible plans or sitting here in service this morning. Um, it's good. Ansel made the announcement. You followed the instructions. I'm proud of you. Um, but, but here's the deal. What are we willing to get in the way, allow get in the way of our relationship with Jesus? Now, look, going to church, uh, doing ministry, being involved in a small group does not, be, does not make the relationship with God. 
But if you stay disconnected long enough from other people and community, you will struggle in your faith. We were made to do life as followers of Jesus together. We were made to have a relationship with Jesus personally in community. We were made for that. Because back to the question once again. What will we allow to get in the way of a relationship with Jesus? What are we allowing to crowd him out with? They could be good things. I'm not saying they're bad things. Nothing should be first. But Jesus. Nothing should be in the way of a relationship with God. Nothing should be in the way of seeking first his kingdom. The second command from Matthew 6.33 is live righteously. Look, immediately, our thoughts probably go to, I'm not that bad of a person. I don't do a lot of things that other people do. I, I try to live my life right. I, I do pretty good. Yes, you probably do. That's not the issue. See, in order to understand this verse, we have to understand the context around it. This is part of Jesus' sermon on the mount. There was a lot of teaching that was going on that day as Jesus taught to the crowds. It's very likely that as Jesus speaks these words from Matthew 6.33 about living righteously, that his acts of living righteously are, are probably from the preceding teaching, the preceding sections of our Bible, where he teaches us about anger and adultery and giving to the poor and prayer and fasting and loving our enemies and more. The Beatitudes are there and all that stuff. And if you think about his words that John records was in John 15, 14. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus is telling us to live righteously. And when we live, live righteously, it is a righteous living that flows from a relationship with God, from seeking his kingdom, that then affects everything that we do. And we will think about it. Love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute us. We will fast and pray. We will give to the poor. We will keep our eyes pure. We will watch our anger. Because we're seeking first his kingdom and we are living righteously. That is what Jesus is commanding. And if we do those things, the promise then becomes he will give you everything. He will give you everything you need. Look, when I read this statement, when I read this verse of Scripture, it takes me right into computer programming world. Like in, in, in high school and in college, I, I studied some computer programming, and, and, and I'll go to just basic simple stuff. There was a simple commands that started like this. If this is true, then this. It even got more difficult. If this is true, then this. Else, do this. And for those of you that, you know, that's simple Pascal programming from 
1980. They haven't even, that's all read about in museums now. They've progressed way beyond that. But when I read this verse of Scripture, it makes me recognize that God is making us a promise. If we do this, at this, then this is going to happen. And it is a promise that says, I will give you everything you need. Emphasis on need. Because there's a difference between need and want. Right? I mean, we've explained this to our kids for years. There's a difference between needs and wants. In order for us to really understand what Jesus is saying in this one singular verse that we know well, we need to go back and look at the verses 19 through 34. Before we do, there are two huge struggles keeping followers of Jesus from seeking first the kingdom of God. And they're found in these verses. The question for you is, as we read them, can you find them? Verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat and then rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. If, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you will have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you all far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. And how they grow, they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The first of the two huge struggles is where are your treasures? The question is what do we value the most. What are we spending our time pursuing? Again, remember that much like our culture today, the first century tended to value the person who had money and possessions. And in our day, we are bombarded with the message that we need more, right? We need the latest and the best. What we currently have is no longer good enough because it is last year's model. We often 
even as followers of Jesus, put our value in what we possess. Jesus was telling the people gathered on the mountain, don't put your trust in your stuff. In fact, don't make the pursuit of stuff what life is about. Make seeking first the kingdom, God's kingdom, your top priority by storing up treasure in heaven. Look, and that doesn't necessarily mean give all your money away. It probably doesn't mean give all your money away. But it also doesn't mean spend it all on yourself. The problem is we can justify not helping some because we have, you know, we know that it's, it's going to lack impact on helping everyone. It's not going to really alleviate the overall problems that are faced in this world like poverty and hunger or whatever the issue is. But it doesn't absolve us of our responsibility to do what is right. See, if, if we struggle to help others with our resources, you're going to have to combat that by giving some things away. You're going to have to go there. And if, and if you're starting to react already to the message, if you're starting to react to what I'm saying to you, you, you you're getting indication. Okay, and I, and I, look, I've already told you. Confession, right up front. As I prepared this message, I was convicted personally. That I'm not doing as well as I know I ought to do. But look, if you push back, look, I didn't write this. These are Jesus' words to his disciples gathered on the side of a hill. That we understand that he would want us to put into practice today. So he's saying, make seeking first his kingdom the top priority by storing up treasure in heaven. I'm not telling you don't put money away for retirement. I'm not telling you that. You probably should put money away for retirement. But it can't be your life goal. It can't be the top priority of who you are and what you're living for. Like if, if, if our singular goal is retirement, we are not seeking first his kingdom. Look, I'm not saying you shouldn't get to retirement. I'm just saying that should not be your singular goal. Look, here's some ways to possibly put this into practice. Look, at some point, you probably need a car, right? I mean, at some point, everything wears out. You could, you could for car, you could put shoes or you could put... You can put new clothes or whatever. You can put whatever it is in that line. You probably need something new. But the car is easy because there's multiple ways of getting it. And this is true with clothing and everything else. But, but just think, because cars are huge purchases. And when you think about a car, maybe instead of the new one, you decide to go with a used one. I'm not saying you, you know, drive a you know, jalopy that's going to, you know, lose wheels as you drive down the road. I mean, it, it may not work well. But you understand what's going on. So sometimes seeking first his kingdom actually demands sacrifice. And sacrifice means I'm not going to get the new car this year. I'm going to wait till next year. And sometimes it means I'm going to wait for longer or whatever. Maybe it's I'm just going to wait. I'm going to be content with what I have because I'm going to seek first his kingdom. I'm just going to let God 
direct my path here. And I'm just going to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And you may think that he doesn't care. He does care. He cares about all because he wants you to use everything you have for his glory. Everything you have, not just your, 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 your resources, but your time, your talents, your skills, your abilities. He wants everything to be used for his glory. Jesus gives us a little nugget that we need to get a grasp on. And it's in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We can't make money our focus or we won't seek first God's kingdom. We need to seek God's kingdom, work appropriately, and trust Him with the resources He gives us. Not everything we get did God give to us for ourselves. Some of what He gives us, He gives us for ourselves. But some of what He gives us is for some other purpose. We are stewards of everything we get. Managers of God's resources to be used for his purposes. Jesus said we can't serve two masters. We can't let money be our master. God must be. Jesus warns us that we must choose. If we work for possessions, we will end up hating God. If we work for God, we will end up hating possessions. Again, you need to remember that this is the same words that Jesus uses when he talks about hating father and mother, okay? He's using a statement to push us a comparison of one's love. He's pushing us to compare what is most important. Did Jesus ever expect us to hate our father and mother? No. Why? He tells us to love our enemies too, right? Okay, so, you know, I mean, just put that together. It doesn't matter. There's no excuse for, for, and that's what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying, hate your father and mother. And he's not saying, hate possessions. He's saying, God's got to be first. And by comparison, it means you're hating possessions. See, because if it's the other way around, you are going to walk away from God on points of your life if you put him second. You will compromise to whatever is most important. And if you will put God first, there is no compromise. Anything else that comes before God, you are going to live with some sort of compromise. And that is not a great place to be. On the other hand, you might find yourself today and you don't have enough. Or you're concerned you won't have enough to meet your own needs if you give some away. Maybe you're in the midst of a difficult life situation, lost job, medical issues that cost serious money, like just go see the doctor and you feel like you just had to sell your car. I mean, you know, I mean, things are expensive. They just are, you know, and, and so in the midst of that, what do we do when we don't feel like we have enough? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom. Look, another concern is if we help others, if we do give away some of our resources, we worry we won't have enough. The struggle here is that when we get to the bottom of it, really, 
It's actually that we're struggling with believing God that he'll come through on his promise. See, we actually struggle with the idea that God will actually do what he said he would do. Now, I'm not saying we should live crazy. I'm not saying you should just, like, today, look, look, the offering is long gone, okay? It's, I'm not asking for another. There's no offerings being taken. I'm not asking you to bust out your checkbook in any way, shape, or form today. What I'm saying to you is you, you, will, you will sit here and you will think about writing something out at any point to help somebody or bless somebody, and you could have concern that if I give this, what happens? Will God come through? The same God who sent his son to die on a cross that we might be forgiven is the same God who's going to come through. If we can trust him for salvation, we've got to trust him. He is going to come through. The other problem that Jesus is dealing with is worry. Worrying that we won't have enough. Worry is a debilitating thing. Worry is the opposite of faith. Peter dealt with all kinds of things, right? Peter, Peter was just an incredible disciple. But he also got himself in trouble here or there for talking. He would just say things and he got himself in trouble. But Peter, confronted with the reality that he was going to die for following Jesus, he was going to suffer. He, in fact, he complains about it because he says, well, if I'm going to suffer, what about John? I mean, that's basically the question. And Jesus tells him, don't worry about that. You worry about you. You walk your road and serve me faithfully. See, Peter knowing that, Peter experiencing some of that, Peter witnessing some of that, still wrote these words in 1 Peter. Chapter 5, verse 6. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now there's an interesting thing here. That here you see Peter writing this, and he says, look, you need to just humble yourself to God. And at the right time he's going to lift you up. Give all your worries to him because he cares for you. We know that, right? We know he cares for us. But sometimes when we, we have to walk it out, it's a little more difficult. See, seeking first his kingdom is easy theoretically. Doing what God calls us to do in living righteously is easy in theory. It's harder when we are asked to do it. And when he's saying to seek first his kingdom, and he's saying seek first my kingdom and live righteously. He's saying, are you willing to help the poor? Are you willing to love your enemies? Are you willing not to get angry? Are you willing to do what my kingdom says? And are you willing not to worry about your stuff? And are you willing not to worry that I will provide for you? Now, he's not telling us to sit on our hands and go, okay, God, give it to me. He's saying, just trust me in this process. If you'll seek first his kingdom, he's saying, I have your back. That's what he's saying. He says, I've got this. If you're going through stuff and you're seeking first his kingdom, it's a promise that says he has your back. 
Philippians 4.6. Don't worry about anything. There's a bunch of exceptions written in there in fine print, if you read closely, that says, well, unless... Yeah, just kidding. There's no legal terms here. Don't worry about anything. The word anything means anything. It's a deep word. Anything. Don't worry about anything. How many of you got that down pretty good? Okay, I saw some volunteers are speaking next week. (laughs) Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank Him for all He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. There are times in my life I worry about stuff. I worry about personal stuff. I worry about ministry stuff. In those moments, I need to remember God is the source. My responsibility is to seek God's kingdom. Look, I've had a weird experience last week and a half. <laughs> I can't hear out of the left side of my head. And I will tell you that as you're speaking, as you speak publicly, like it's weird. It basically sounds like somebody... Um, anytime somebody speaks on the side of my head, on my left side, it sounds like they're like, yeah, that's about what it sounds like. It sounds like they got something, you know, they just can't hear. It's because of flights and just stuff in my ear. And I got it. But, uh, but you know, when you go through things, just little things, it doesn't, doesn't even matter. You know, you have a little pain, right? A little pain. If something happened to you, and you wonder, is this something me? Look, I'll give you an example. It's an easy one. Great illustration of worry. My dad rebuilt an airplane in my garage when I was growing up. He rebuilt it twice. Uh, reasons being another plane flipped on it. But he, like, when you see an airplane stripped down to metal and refabricated in your garage as an eight-year-old kid, and then you get in the plane, and you fly in it. You know your cars have broken down. He worked on those too. So you're flying along. He's in the back seat, flying the thing, and you're in the front seat, and you're like, hear the engine cut back? You're like, oh, here's the point where I die. <laughs> like, that's worry, right? I mean, that's because I'm with my dad, and I'm, you know, just a little bit like, okay, like our cars don't work perfect all the time, like batteries quit and just different things. Not understanding that the pilot could actually fly the plane in, gliding it, because it'd be fine. See, my dad being a pilot is really good. See, it's really cool. When I flew in college, 
I would be getting ready to board a plane, and my dad would go, hey, if it goes down, I'll name the plane after you because he'd taken on insurance on me. <laughs> nice guy. I said, that's very comforting. But he said, don't worry. That plane's got four engines. It can fly with one of them if the pilot's any good. Still a little, little brief moment there of not so sure I'm comforted by that. But he could have flown the plane in. He could have, it would have glided right in. He would have no trouble because he knew what he was doing. I was young. I had no idea what he was doing. And I had seen it down to the metal and the engine apart in my garage. So when anything little weird sounding happened, I was convinced I was about to die. Sometimes in our lives, something weird happens. We're not convinced God can pull us out of it because we've kind of forgotten what was most important. If we're seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, we won't have worry. We will have faith. We will trust God because He has it. He's with us, and he will help us. Look, there are times in all of our lives we're going to go through difficulty. Remember, God is the source. My responsibility, your responsibility, is to seek God's kingdom above all else. That's our commitment to the bargain. His promise is, he will give us everything we need. There's no mistaking what Jesus said here. First means first. Above all else means on top. Number one priority. Nothing can come before seeking God's kingdom with the Father of Jesus. If we do, we make a grave mistake. He's asking every one of us to value our lives, figure out, are we seeking first His kingdom? And if we're not, what must we change? What changes do we need to make to make sure He and His kingdom first. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your word. Lord, help every one of us to seek first your kingdom. God, I pray in my life and the ways you've spoken to me, God, I pray that you would help me Always put you first and to live righteously. Well, to recognize that there's places for all of us to grow. There's places for us to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a 
person who seeks first your kingdom and lives righteously. Lord, help us with that. Lord, let us not be caught up with money being first. Let us not be caught up with worry being first. Lord, help us to battle those things to make sure you are always first. Lord, I pray that we would see the places in our lives where you are speaking, where you're challenging us, where you're convicting us.